Well, it's uh, a real privilege to be here. My name's Tim Say. I'm the chaplain and other evangelist at the Philo Trust. So my colleague is, is the Reverend Canon J. John. And uh, it's very exciting working there. Just imagine, have you ever been on a roller coaster and uh, thought, maybe I shouldn't have got on this one? It's probably a bit too fast. Well, life as an evangelist is as exciting as that. And it's very fulfilling. And it's my privilege to welcome you all here. And uh, just to say that uh, uh, if you have any questions, ask me or any of the team. We'd love to guide or help you. If you need any advice or anything, we have a bookstall at that. We'll be talking a little bit more about that later. Uh, hands up who's actually seen me before. <clears throat> hands up who hasn't seen me before. And who's probably indifferent. <laughs> I, I deal with rejection. I've just written a book on it. <laughs> I'm from a lovely little fishing village up north called Liverpool. <laughs> lovely place to, to go and visit. Not for long. I stay and come back. Um, we want you, this to be a time for you to receive as leaders. Because the good news is Jesus is Lord. The bad news is sheep bite. Don't they? Yeah, I was uh, helping lead the church as a curate in Ealing. And I noticed the sheep have sharp teeth. And they should tickle you, they bite you, and they nip. And when you see a green pasture and you want to lead the sheep, they don't want to go. They don't like being led, because they haven't got the vision sometimes. And, they, and some people say things about you that they don't mean, because they're hurt. But the words penetrate our hearts, and we, we suffer because of it. So as well as this being a day, hopefully, that will encourage, affirm and uh, help you sort of acknowledge what you're doing in ministry. We also want this to be a day for you to receive from the Holy Spirit. Because often leaders don't, get, don't always get that time to receive. And I know how exciting it is when we do. It sort of really, really uh, blesses us. It blessed me when I had that. So uh, I used to be in the Royal Marine Commandos. <coughs> and some people um, say, I know I've put on a bit of weight, but it's still there, it's still there, and I left the Royal Marines, and I got into show business, I did a bit of skiing, did 20 years in show business, and every time I do these events, um, my colleague always says, do a little, do a few illustrations for them, so would you like to see a few illustrations, yeah, yeah, I can see you're overwhelmed, I can see that, yeah, uh, I can, I know indifference when I see it, so, um, uh, my speciality, and I'm not really here to do card tricks, but this was my speciality. I used to work with cards, so what I need is a victim, a uh, volunteer, sorry. <laughs> Jump in here, sorry sir, sorry. Wait, no, take, try not to overact, sir, take a seat. <laughs> it's not the Paul Daniels show where you get them up, you know. They're all different here, they're all different, right? Now, if, if, what is the good news today in your life? What is the good news for you? Are you good news? Are we good news? All the cards are different. Just touch the back of any one. You sure you want to choose that one? Yeah? Okay. Uh, Look at that. You have it. Okay. Now, if I told you what it is, it would be pretty rubbish, really, because you're thinking, well, that's what you used to do. And it was. I used to have people choose cards, and I would find them. But actually, I have a friend who'd love to tell you what the card is. And here he is.
Financial news. The stock exchange had a quiet day, with the Financial Times index up a couple of points. On the foreign exchanges today, the pound rose to its highest point this year against the dollar. It also finished up on the day against the franc, the mark, and this just in. Is this your car? <laughs> the Prime Minister spoke out against the rise in violence on late night television shows. Well, <laughs> try not to ad lib, sir. Now, when we, when we go out, we want to catch people by surprise. Because the Jesus they think they know is more than they know, isn't he? And what helps is this. It's how we communicate this. I think when we read this, there's like a fire that comes on us, isn't there? And upon men. I'll just hold it till you get it. It costs a fortune, though, and I'm burning. I'm taking pain for this, for this stuff. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and um, can anyone tell me why I would use a red colour silk, being a, someone that's an evangelist who goes around telling people about Jesus? Any idea? <laughs> it's bloody yeah, yeah. And uh, what's interesting is the heart knows truth, doesn't it? So sometimes you might not agree with someone's theology, but you know their heart. And their heart resonates with yours. We're hoping today that you will see, have an impact of what the Holy Spirit can do when people unite and become separate. It's real. This is my friend. She goes everywhere with me, called Tina. And what we want you to do is not... She's a bit dark for her in there, so she gets a bit of a shock when she comes out. What we want everybody to do is not box the Holy Spirit today, like I'm doing with Tina. Not box it. Not box the work of God and what God wants to do in us today. But be willing to trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. So when we lean on our understanding, we inhibit the growth what God can do. I saw it as a counselor, and there's two things that stop people from changing. Resistance and denial. I still resist and deny. I do talks, and John goes, that illustration didn't work. And something inside you goes, it did. <laughs> it did. But it didn't. So, don't box up the spirit. Because if you box it up, You won't get the benefits. <laughs> Thanks for those half-hearted applause, there, Jimmy. <laughs> they reckon applause to a speaker is like food to his ears. I've been on soup for about three years. Um... Just want to show us uh, a little clip, just to finish. Wrong clip. <laughs> that happens when you've got big fingers and you don't use your glasses.
Direction is everything. When the chips are down, when times get tough, when the outcome seems uncertain, we tend to lose our way. side of the goal. We forget our purpose. Sometimes all it takes is one person to step up. To push through the fear. To encourage the team. So welcome to the start of our day, and may I welcome Bishop David Carr to come and lead us in prayer. Oh, the Bishop. Bishop, would you come and lead us in prayer? Sorry. There's too many. We have so many bishops. Sorry, my lord. It is working, yeah. Like buses, you don't see a bishop for weeks, and then two, two come along together. Friends, thank you. I, I just turned up today for me, and uh, I've been made wonderfully welcome, and um, I'm standing here. Um, Bishop David, thank you for your welcome, and, and Tim, that was great. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you gather your people, that you call us for our sake and for your sake and for the sake of the world. Thank you for Tim, for J. John, for Bishop David, for Chris, and for all those who will feed us on your word today. Pray that by your spirit you'll inspire them, that you'll apply what they say to our lives, that you'll teach us, that you'll refresh us, that you'll renew us, that you'll strengthen us for what you've called us to do and to be. Father, thank you for each other. But above all, thank you that you are here your spirit with us, and that you have good things for us and for our ministries. Bless our fellowship, our teaching, and send us out renewed that we may shine for your glory in the world. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you. I probably should have explained who I am. Sorry. Um, I'm John Holbrook. I'm the Anglican Bishop of Brixworth, which means I'm the Assistant Bishop for Peterborough Diocese, which is uh, the county of Northamptonshire, most of the city of Peterborough, and the county of Rutland. Mustn't forget Rutland. Um, and it's just a privilege to be here and lovely to, uh, to be asked to share. So I guess, David, it's, it's all yours now.
Well, I had to convince him that this is the new Episcopal dress. I took courage to wear this today, actually. I had to show him a picture that I do have a similar shirt. We had um, a rock and roll singer, professional rock and roll singer, incredible singer. Sounds like meatloaf, and if you don't know anything about that, it's nothing to do with diet. He came in and got born again after 25 years in rock and roll. He used to be with people like Status Quo and uh, he did the Michael Jackson tour and all things like this. And, and he sings. It's wonderful. He sings very ecclesiastically rock and roll. <laughs> he sounds as if he's got throat disease. It's wonderful. And uh, he's just done a whole album on the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> and really, you, you tingle when you hear it. And he wears these type of things. And so I was... Um, eight years old last month <clears throat> and he brought me these from America on the basis would I have the courage to wear them and they're, they're real sort of rock and roll shirts and that was my music when I was younger of course and so I thought today I thought well it's Northampton that's what I thought and I thought they're so prophetic there <clears throat> They'll know this is a bishop shirt. So my wife said to me, you're not wearing that. And I went, well, they'll just be ordinary people. They're ordinary leaders. There won't be anybody of any distinguished presence there today. And so I walked in. Well, I didn't actually. I was queuing outside. I mean, fancy keeping bishops queuing outside. I knocked on the back door. Nobody bothered. And so I just felt I had to justify wearing this. I really did. I feel so embarrassed. It's unbelievable. So I'm, I'm, I'm a rock and roll bishop. <laughs> I want to thank you for coming today. <clears throat> what we're trying to share today is a very difficult concept, and I don't say that because of lack of intelligence. It's, we have a wonderful history in our nation, Christianity, for very many, many years. And in that, it has spawned many different forms of worship and what happens so often is if we're born in that in, in in that environment we can become without knowing it um cognitively cognitively um conservative to our own group and so we tend to feel that christianity is either successful or unsuccessful based on who we are and where we are so in the press we hear, for instance, that church is declining in our nation, things are all going wrong, going pear-shaped. But we all know of, of communities in our own town and diocese which are very successful. But that's not news. But put ourselves in the world of the non-Christian out there <clears throat> who wants to know why there's churches throughout the town and they all say they believe in Christ, they don't speak to each other. And they're separated on things like pre-post and millennialism, which most Christians in our churches haven't got a clue what we're on about, ever learn the people in the world. And by the time the theologians get together, they certainly haven't got a clue what they're on about. Because a lot of things that separate us are definitely futuristic. So if you were to die next week, would it matter if you were pre-post or millennialism? Would it matter if you, were, if you were looking for the rapture or suffering from the rupture? Now, these are important doctrines and not to, be, not to be laughed at, but they're not the type of doctrines that will separate us from Christ. There's not a pre, post, or a millennium heaven. There isn't the one, do we call it Eucharist, breaking of bread, or, or, or do we call it the mat? It isn't that in heaven. It isn't, should we wear ecclesiastical garb or rock and roll gear? 
or otherwise I'd be in and he'd be out. <laughs> I got him first there, didn't I? <laughs> and so there's all these things which to a great extent are historic or hysteric. And they are important. But the idea of us explaining the order to you is it's, it is not compromise, it is unity in what we do believe. And it's a lifestyle, not a stream, not a covering, not another denomination. It's a lifestyle where all the body of Christ can come together. One inspiration of us forming this order, which goes back to 1141 but started in 209, was a Jewish Anglican bishop I heard in America which <clears throat> absolutely broke my heart when I heard him say, when Jesus preached and then he prayed, John 17, he allowed us to hear a personal prayer to Father, how his, his heart was for oneness, not unity. Unity brings the oil, but oneness brings the presence. Oneness in the temple brought the presence of God and they couldn't worship, and oneness in the upper room brought the day of Pentecost. So there is something above unity. We struggle for unity, but there's oneness. I would that they be one as we are one. Not that you take them out of the world, but that the world is taken out of them. And that was his prayer. And I heard this Jewish Anglican bishop say this. Moody Bible Institute stopped, ran out of patience and time when they clocked 33,000 denominations and streams in the world at the moment. Now what made it difficult was, <clears throat> if you take the Roman Catholic and the Orthodox Church out of that, the other 32,998 were Protestant. So we defenders of the truth are causing mostly the problem. So it would be wonderful if only the Protestants could get together. And you'll see during today that we thought, how can we explain the values of the order? Because orders can be very complex. Because it's trying to bring together the traditional, the orthodox, with the charismatic and the evangelical and the modern. Because it's a bit like music. If you're a really good musician, you can appreciate the rock and roll and the classical, even though you may have a favourite. It's all music. As long as we're singing off the same hymn sheet. So today, we have shrunk it down into three values. And one of us will cover each value. And the first one is obviously our relationship with God. What is that in value? Secondly, our relationship with ourselves, or for the gift to see ourselves as others see us. Is that all right, was it? Was that okay. Well, the first thing you've understood, they are having a sale. Don't stop me on that, laddie. I'm bilingual, as you can see. We were going to have Scots people in this order, but they couldn't afford the fee. Um, well, they carry their money in front of them, you see. How are we with ourselves and how are we with other people? And then thirdly, as we're not a closeted order, how do we reach the world? So that's what we're going to do. So thank you very much in your busy life. We're going to feed you monastic meal half-time. But we have to be fasting today, so you're not going to get anything. <laughs> now, we will be feeding you, so stay with us. Thank you very much indeed.
Now, I want to do a little quiz for you, a little test of your musical ability and knowledge. How many know um, a worship song called Rain in Me? Mm. Now, if you put your hand up, that means you've got to sing it. <laughs> what about Here I Am, Holy Available? Oh, Jesus shall take the highest honor. Holy Spirit, we welcome you, Lamb of God. Do you know who wrote those songs? Chris Bowater. Now, Chris Bowater, not many people know this, but has been considered to be the father of modern or the modern worship movement. A pioneer, a mentor, a coach, teacher, encourager, husband. And now, not many people know that he's the senior pastor at New Life in Sleaford. God has called him to do multitasking, to be a pastor and uh, continue coaching and training worship leaders. And at the back there, there's the Worship Academy, which you can ask more questions about, which Chris oversees. I did a training day when I was myself at St. Giles, Giles, but also in Grange Park Church. And I went and did one of those days. And I came back so excited about uh, how we worship God. And I saw it in a different way. So I'd love us to give a big warm welcome, an encouraging welcome to Chris Bowalter. Thank you so much. That's kind of you. The problem with big introductions is, uh, is living up to it. I'm also um, always honoured to serve with you, Dave and Jay Johnis. These three days have been great. And Tim, you're amazing. Uh, He used to be a church treasurer. Um, (laughs) Father, we love you. Just where you're sitting before we do anything. Position your heart, your heart, your life. Shut out the noise. The multitude of words. Father, today, we settle ourselves in silence before you. In the stillness, we wait on you. Speak, Lord. Thank you for your cleansing. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all sin. And Jesus Christ today receive all the glory and all the praise and all the dominion and honor and blessing because you alone, say you alone, you alone are worthy. And if you believe that and if your heart is singing, let's give applause to heaven for heaven's great gift. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. From whom all blessings flow. Please take your seats, will you? 
It's a great joy to be in Northampton. I have a daughter in Market Harbour. So just up, up the road. Um, I'm from Lincoln. Originally from Birmingham, which is great. I love Birmingham. Aston Villa supporter, and thank you, Wigan, for losing last night. <laughs> it's dodgy, isn't it? It's very close. We were in the, we were in the Holiday Inn Express, my wife and I, last night, and um, there was a Sunderland supporter also sweating. <laughs> he was struggling. But um, we rejoiced together, so that was good. But um, it is a great joy to be with you. I spend my life these days both traveling around international academies, um, Portugal, Romania, South Africa, Singapore, and different places. Someone's got to go. Uh, but um, also a few years ago, um, my wife and I were called into a church where there was moral failure. Uh, in the leadership and asked if we would help to steady the boat. Now, this was not a career move. <laughs> How many of you know that <laughs> it's not a career move? But um, we went and we, we served the church for a year. We um, helped to bring healing to some very disaffected leaders who were broken and a lot of wounded wounded sheep and um, I'm, I'm very enthralled by there's a program that's recently been on TV um, called called the midwife who's 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 watched it it was required viewing in our house yes the same and do you know what I quite like the kind of um, uh, early 50s feel about it and the cars especially I quite like looking at um, but there was one particular scene where uh, because babies were being born in the east end of London, they were looking for uh, fostering and adoption. And, and this one little baby was going to be taken by his parents because they couldn't afford to, to look after the child into a home. And so they went along and, and they were greeted not only by the staff but by a, a cerebral palsy young man who was very friendly. and uh, And so... They wanted to know what the home was like, and they said, you know, what's it like living here? And um, Cerebral Paul's in a very difficult voice, but ever so clear said, oh, it's good here because we live next to a biscuit factory. <laughs> and they, they, they smiled, they laughed just like you have just laughed. And then the brilliance of the script writing uh, and then a few moments later he says, because we get all the broken pieces here. Does that sound like church to you? And I discovered that I went to a church with a lot of broken pieces. But how many of you know, hurt people hurt, but heal people heal. And God has helped us over the last six years. I've, I've come to the conclusion, even though it wasn't a career move, the psalmist can make good kings. And God has helped us to bring healing and to bring hope. And there's been growth. And eventually they said, please, please stay. 
And so I'm currently transitioning like I've done in academies over the years, bringing in and bringing through new leadership and worship leaders and songwriters and musicians all over the world. Now I'm bringing through leadership into the church and seeking God for the transition of the next senior pastor. And so I'm on that journey at the moment. And do you know what? I'm loving it. I really am loving it because I can see an end to the tunnel. Um, <laughs> but it is so good. I've given my life, guys, to um, teaching on, on worship because I believe at the very heart of everything is worship. But how many of you know everybody has an opinion on worship? Does that happen in your church? Everybody has an opinion on worship. It's too long. It's not long enough. It's too loud. It's not loud enough. It's too lively. It's not lively enough. We're not singing enough of these type of songs, and we're not singing enough of... And everybody has a darned opinion (laughs) on worship. But how many of you know this? Actually, what's more important is what God's opinion is. There was a woman that went out of church one morning with another lady, and she said, do you know what? I got nothing out of the service this morning. I'm sure you've never heard that. And the other woman said, that's okay. We weren't worshipping you. <laughs> However... God leaves the service saying, I got nothing out of it. That's a different issue. And I wonder how many services God said, you know what, you you fooled me in the first song when you sang, we'll let you have your way amongst us. But you didn't. How many of you know there are more lies sung in worship than any other activity in church life? The number of things we promise to do but don't do. We don't even bow the knee when we sing we're going to bow the knee. Oh, I'm bowing on the inside, we say. I'm not sure that's a valid explanation. I was overwhelmed in one of my trips to Korea had the privilege of ministering in Korea and many times and seeing 100,000 people in the Olympic Stadium. Any musos around, well, this is just name-dropping, but I had um, Abraham Laboriel on bass. Um, and if you're a muso, you know Abraham Laboriel is kind of, he's up there. Had um, Chester Thompson on drums. He used to play with Genesis. And... Um, Paul Jackson Jr. on guitar, he was Whitney Houston's guitarist. And um, there were just a few really outstanding musicians. And there was also an orchestra of 300 musicians. There were 600 dancers on the stage. I mean, it was the stadium. The stage was big enough for 600 dancers, all with Korean flags, not little ones. I mean, huge ones that if I hit you, they take your head off. And then there was a choir of 3,000 voices. So it's quite a big worship team. 
But I was singing a song, Jesus, at your name we bow the knee. Because you are the Christ. Because how many of you know in heaven, there's a whole lot of bowing going on. Every time there was a glance, the glimpse of the throne, and the Lamb of God seated upon the throne, elders fall on their faces. I love it when eldership fall on their faces. I'm making a point. Too often, senior leaders are watching, not worshipping. And too often, we have senior leadership who are more interested in where they're sitting and the badge that they wear. Or in actual fact, they need to be an example to the church of bowing in worship. And to my amazement, we sang the song and a 100,000 people disappeared from view. I said, is this cultural? They said, no, it's biblical. How many have submitted ourselves to cultural worship and not biblical worship? This is why I'm not too sure about the phrase culturally relevant, if I'm honest. And that's not just because I'm getting old and wrinkly, because I ain't. (laughs) Somebody said to me yesterday, actually, I haven't seen you for 20 years and you haven't changed. I said, well, have I... I've either always looked this old (laughs) or you need to go to Specsavers. (laughs) Worship, first of all, is for God. I'm not going to say anything to you today that you don't know. I'm just going to say a few things we don't do. Because how many of you know we don't always do what we know? How many of you know that we have values that we don't always even keep in our ministries? Worship is for God. It's not about us. It's not about our preferences. or Because you know what? Preferences so easily become prejudices and preferences are okay God's okay with preference but God's not okay with prejudice he's not okay when he says that's the only way we can worship I mean for goodness sake God loves diversity When you are the God that has made the heavens and the earth and all that dwell therein, why would you want one style of worship? Hello. Somebody once said, I think it was me, that... um, (laughs) What we give to God is a reflection of how we esteem him. Now, there's an interesting thought. What are we giving? In our worship. And is it a reflection of how we esteem him? Because you understand this. When revelation ceases, worship ceases. I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. He was seated upon a throne. There was the revelation 
of God. We have stopped seeing. Well, let me rephrase that. Maybe we have stopped seeing. We stopped seeing the wonders of God. Somebody asked me the question, how is it I've remained fresh in 40 years? It's quite simple. I've never lost the wonder. I've never lost the wonder. I've never lost the wonder of God's love for me. Do you know my dad, bless him, my dad was in the Second World War. He had the most amazing, he was a Dunkirk. And all that that represented. He was torpedoed twice in the Mediterranean. I mean, I said dad once was unfortunate, twice was very careless. He was in North Africa. He was in Italy. He was in the liberation of prisoners of war in Germany. My dad came out of the war a bitter, angry young man and was told to get on with life. There was no post-traumatic tra- uh, uh, care at all. It was get on with life. My dad had, and my dad was a godly man. My dad was Bishop David Carr's Bible class leader. He was a godly man. He was a pastor. He was a pioneer. But my dad came through to faith, and I was part of his story. Because as a child, as a young child, I was nearly uh, killed on four occasions. And I was also seriously ill with asthma. And my dad fell to his knees on one occasion and said, God, if you save my son's life, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And my dad did. And God is. My dad came back to Jesus, and I remember we lived in a two-up, two-down terraced house in Birmingham, outside toilet, in next door's garden. Come on. You can tell people who have lived in a next door's garden, toilet, one leg is longer than the other. Because when you have a toilet in next door's garden, you learn to sit there with one leg against the door. And by a process of evolution, the leg gets longer. And so you, you, you see this guy limping down the road. You say, he had an outside toilet. But my dad, who was not creative, although he had a most beautiful tenor voice. In fact... When he led church, he never ever sang the tune. He only ever sang the tenor harmony. And the church never did learn the tune. <laughs> he wasn't an artist. He wasn't a craftsman. Um, but he took a piece of wood, a rough piece of wood, because he said, that's what I was. He painted it with white gloss paint. He says, because I have been made righteous. And he wrote in broad strokes of red gloss paint, God is love. 
And beloved, some of us have become so theologically astute that we have forgotten God is love. And some of us struggle with worship for the reasons you're going to be hearing a little bit later on from Bishop David Carr, because we have not yet learned to love ourselves. And we struggle to love unconditionally a God who loves us unconditionally. God is love. Worship is for God. It's not about us. It's for him. It's to him. It's about him. We need more songs, brothers and sisters, that are to him. To him. I mean, in my relationship with my wife, my wife is here. We've been married for 43 years. I mean, can you imagine? I would, in front of her, turn away and sing about her. I would want to say things to her about my love, about my thankfulness and my devotion. I say it to her. And so often in church we're talking about, and God said, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Worship is for God. Time doesn't allow me to expand more on this because the second point I want to say is worship has to come out of a relationship with him, not just knowing about him. Can I ask you today, guys, what is now, today, today, your relationship with the Lord like? Some of us draw from our stories and our histories, and do you know what? I hear test. I remember. Don't know why I put a Welsh accent on, but I remember. <laughs> I remember when. I put my hand up. I remember when I went out to the front. I remember when I was baptized. I remember. But what about now? I, my favorite hymn of all time. Do you know this? My Jesus. I love thee, I know thou art. Do you know what? There's a sermon. I know. I'm not a believer, I know. For thee, all the promise of sin. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior, art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus. Don't tell me your history, tell me your now story. How is the relationship 
now, and I know I'm talking to some of us that are senior leaders, but you know what? I've met enough senior leaders over the years to know how easy it is to go through the motions of leadership. We can tend for other people's gardens and neglect our own backyard. And the relationship that this immortal, invisible God, only wise, enlightened, accessible, hid from our eyes, God wants, is for us to call him Father. Oh, my Father. And some of us here today have had bad experiences of a dad. And it's robbed you from a trust and a confidence in a heavenly dad. But I want you to know, he will never disappoint you. He will never forsake you. He will never fail you. My wife and I have got five children, and uh, our eldest is uh, living, as I said, in Market Harbor. Our eldest son lives in Lincoln with an American wife uh, from Texas, and uh, Daniel is um, an awesome recording engineer, uh, real top-notch. Then, 33 years ago, um, with some assistance from me, but not a lot, my wife had triplets. And, um, <laughs> well, and uh, Mark, Hannah, and Sarah came into our lives at 15 minute intervals. And um, Mark is a marketing executive for a Christian record company. Sarah, our youngest, is a school teacher, especially uh, working among special needs children. And Hannah, the middle one, has special needs. Hannah is a 33-year-old young woman. She's a teenager emotionally, but this is what the syndrome has done. It's locked her into a time frame. Um, Hannah was a little girl. How many of you know, parents, the best time of day is when your children have had their bath? Or do you say bath here? I'm not sure. Bath. Okay. I want to be culturally aware. <laughs> <laughs> and they smelt nice, nice for the first time in the day. And all nice and cuddly. And you want the last half hour before they go to bed to be special. And well, Mark was an Aston Villa supporter by um, discipleship, and uh, <laughs> he was imagining scoring a goal, and he was very active, and he still has to imagine Villa scoring goals today. But <laughs> um, Sarah, the youngest, Sarah, I often say, um, was born talking. Um, I think she was the last one born because she was talking, and she hadn't realized they'd all gone. Uh, <laughs> But um, she, she, she came out and uh, talking, and, and she spent the rest of her life talking, to be fair. And she's a teacher, so she gets paid for it as well, so it's pretty cool. Um, but she'd have all her teddy bears and dollies on the chair, and she would be running school with them or something like that. You know how they do. And, uh, but Hannah couldn't do the physical things that Mark did or couldn't talk. 
like Hannah, but Hannah found that her, her shape and my shape matched perfectly. And she would climb on my lap and play a game that some of you may even remember playing either with your children or you as a child with your parents. She would put her head on my chest and try to get her breathing in time with my breathing. So what I would do is I'd hold my breath as long as possible. And Hannah would hold her breath for as long as possible until eventually her cheeks would burst. And we'd all, we both laugh together and then we'd go again. And she'd just say, again, Daddy, again. And then after we'd finished, that wonderful quietness of just a child lying on your, on your chest. <laughs> and then she broke the silence with a phrase that changed my life. in very, very poor language that she had at that time. She said, what is it that Hannah can hear going bump, bump, bump? I said, Hannah, darling, that is daddy's heart beating. And I thought that would be enough, that would answer the question. And a few moments later, she break, breaks the silence once more and she said, daddy, why? And Hannah hear daddy's heartbeat. And in answering the question, I felt like heaven was on tiptoe, watching and waiting to see if I would understand the importance of the moment. I said, Hannah can hear daddy's heartbeat because you are as close to daddy as anyone can be at this moment. And there's nothing between us. Who can, who can remember nothing between us moments? But God. Will you find that place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. And you know what? We live in days when we are obsessed with hearing a word from God. But God actually wants us to hear his heartbeat. There's something more important than a word. It's knowing a God who says, I am. I am. We were told, by the way, when Hannah was small, all the things by medical professions of what Hannah would never do. Hannah now, for 11 years, has worked as a care home assistant, looking after the elderly, loving on them, doing the most unimaginable things that care home assistants do for less, next to nothing to pay. But she loves it. And she loves them and they love her. And she has that still ability to listen. Father in heaven, how we love you. Worship is about relationship with Father. 
I wonder, just that one thought, what would that change about how we do Sunday? How many of you understand people come, I'm speaking now as a pastor. How many people come to church on Sunday from all kinds of dysfunctional situations? And the last thing they need is to be hyped up. They need to know the Father is. And the Father's there. What does Jesus always do? He presents us to the Father. And there's going to come a time, of course, when... May I take your hand? What's your name? Jackie. Lovely to meet you. You see, there's going to come a time that's beyond now because at this moment of time, there's someone who ever lives to make intercession before the Father for you. So every day, when you didn't think anybody was praying for you, Jesus is praying for you. Isn't that beautiful? So you're never off his heart. You're never out of his mind. You're always a priority. But there's going to come a time when one day, hopefully when Jesus comes again, but the Bible tells us this. I can imagine this incredible presentation ceremony. The Bible says he's going to present us to the Father. He's going to say, Dad, do you remember I taught you about Jackie? <laughs> he said, yeah, this is Jackie. And Jesus will say, Dad, through it all, Jackie trusted in me. And through it all, Jackie didn't give up. And through the hurts and the disappointments and the, and the joys, successes and disappointments never stopped her from keeping on following me. And Dad, I just want to present it to you as a trophy, a triumph of my grace. So the eternal plan is to present us to dad, to present us to father, without sin, faultless. Isn't that good news? Bless you. So why don't we get practicing in our worship? If worship is for God, then why don't we also develop people's relationship with the Father. I've discovered there's people who are pursuing manifestation type of ministries all the time don't have a father's perspective. Just an observation. Just an observation. They want the spectacular. They want the exceptional. And they've not yet had the encounter of father. They've not received the touch of dad on their life. Worship is about relationship with father. But you know what? It's about relationship 
with each other. If a house is divided, you can sing the songs, but it won't be worship. Because broken relationships are sin. And you can't sing sin away. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter how high you jump or how loud you clap. If there are broken relationships in the body of Christ, if we disregard the body, this is why we need to nurture family. I'm believing that in my small town we're going to have a a church that is large for a small town because I believe that God can do exceptional things in small places. But I don't want to lose the sense of family. It's not because I just want everyone to know each other. That isn't the issue. I want still, when there's a thousand plus people, still for them to feel like they are part of a family. And church, let's stop becoming so organizational. Let's become organic. Not all about business structures. It's about kingdom principles. It's about family. It's about belonging. Behaving. Believing. We're bringing people into a family, onto a journey. Of trusting God. But if there's broken trust between each other, it's going to hinder our worship. Worship needs to be creative. Listen to this piece of music.
Which one was worship? Now, you may have had your preferences. My background is Royal College of Music. Um, I studied composition with Herbert Howe, who was a great writer of church music, and Humphrey Searle, who was an avant-garde uh, composer of operas. I studied conducting with Sir Adrian Bolt, who was one of the finest conductors of English music, especially Elgar. I had the privilege of conducting uh, the Enigma Variations with Sir Adrian Bolt sitting on the front row. It didn't feel like a privilege at the time, but <laughs> retrospectively, it's a great name to drop, isn't it? And I had a privileged education in piano and voice and composition and history of music and the whole nine yards. I wanted to be a, a professional conductor. That was my, my real ambition. Um, but we didn't have the patronage to, to go to Rome and to Moscow and to Paris and New York. And so um, I became a teacher. And uh, those who can, do. <laughs> those who can't, teach. And those who can't teach, write education books. Um, <laughs> but to say I love music is, is kind of a, an understatement. That first piece was medieval. The, second, the first piece was medieval. The second one was Gregorian. Slightly tampered with, because how many of you know that the saxophone wasn't around in those days? <laughs> and so the saxophone was added into the Gregorian music to, to bridge 21st century with way back then. The last one was Kim Walker from Bethel Church in South uh, West America. And um, an amazing young worship leader that I've written to a few times and encouraged her because she has maintained the ability to go beyond the song into the spontaneous, which is how the Holy Spirit led me 40 years ago. But it's all worship. Why do we think there's only one way of doing it? Why do we always have to emulate which is the nicer word than imitate. Why do we always have to imitate somebody else? Why do we have imitation instead of revelation? Because I want to say, your house, your church, God has a sound for it. There's a sound of the house. There are songs that God is only going to give to this house. Do never be afraid to sing the songs of the house. You see, I love what comes out of, and I'm not going to name them because that might sound, um, sound like I'm discrediting it. But Darlene Czech was in my conferences years ago when I was doing them in, in Australia. And Jeff Bullock was a great friend of mine years ago in Australia. And these people that have so influenced the world through their songs... Even Matt Redman and Tim were, were young boys in, in seminars. Martin Smith, I gave him the concept first, first of all, because he was a tape engineer at ICC. 
when I was doing an album. And he said, hey, mate, I'm writing these songs, mate. He said, I don't know what to do with them. I said, have you got some musicians? He says, yeah. I said, have you got some young people in the church? He said, yeah. I said, put on an event. Gather the young people. That's how Cutting Edge began. And so you can connect with all of these generations, but you don't have to always imitate. You can innovate. What is the sound that God has for this house? Yes, we do need to be culturally aware, which is far better than being culturally relevant. Because I'm not sure how we as believers can be culturally relevant because society is decadent and dying. So why are we trying to be relevant to something that is decadent and dying? But we ought to be culturally aware. We need to know what's going on out there, but we can also find the sound of this house. Do you know I bless this church? I bless you guys. And I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, let a song descend on this house. The Father will not only set aflame the people of God in the house, but Father, without all kinds of maneuverings of the industry, but actually will escape into the church. Father, take it where it needs to go. I never approached a record industry. I wrote songs because the Holy Spirit moved in Lincoln in the 70s. I mean, we were a good Pentecostal church and the Holy Spirit turned up. Hello. Some of us need to hear that. The Holy Spirit turned us upside down, inside out, outside in every which way. And the word that John Shelbourne bought, who was my mentor and my pastor, and was like an incredible loss when he passed away at 55. He preached a message, let my people go that they may worship me. And do you know what? I think there's a, a word today for the church. Let them go. Leadership, stop trying to control. And let the Spirit of God work and move and have his way. This does not produce anarchy. I promise you, it might produce occasionally a little bit of chaos. I'm just being honest with you. But if you like everything nice and tidy all the time, you won't have enjoyed the day of Pentecost. But you know what? I would, I would enjoy 3,000 people being added to my church overnight. I would love that. But Holy Spirit, come and ignite a new song in this church. In this church, I was writing songs in the morning, noon, and night. I was, in fact, people said to me, "How many do you write?" I said, "I don't know, but I caught a lot." Heaven was throwing songs out, waiting to see who will catch, and I was catching them. 
And most of my songs are real simple, so I can remember them. Uh, but the first song that went around the world several times and was in books, Author Unknown, that was me. That was my middle name, that was my non plume. Author Unknown. But Jesus, your love has melted my heart. Went around the world and came back in many, many different languages. And reigning me, and here I am, and hundreds of songs. And I never went to the industry about recording. It came to me. But actually, it had already happened in the church because naughty, naughty people came in with tape recorders. And in, sound engineers will understand this. This was days before stereo. We should have been so lucky. There they stood like a microphone stand. I thought they were worshipping. <laughs> Holding a microphone. And they heard the worship and they caught the worship and they caught the babies crying and they caught the coughing and they caught it all. And those songs on little cassettes, who remembers cassettes, went around the world. Outside of our control. And God's kept it like that ever since. It's outside of my control. Let's be diverse. How many of you know a God who says, I love snowdrops, so I'll create 133 different varieties? He's not just going to want one type of music. And finally, because my time has gone on that, this talk is slightly different from the ones I've done before, but it's all been pretty all the same. <clears throat> but you can buy the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say finally, and probably most importantly, not only is worship for God, not only is worship about relationship with Father God, not only is about our relationship, not only is it to be diverse and creative, including silence and stillness. Oh, Pentecostal charismatic people, God is not going to fall off his throne if there's two minutes silence. He might say, thank the Lord. Oh, no, he wouldn't say that, would he? <laughs> There are times when the only way we can settle ourselves is in silence. Away from the multitude. I wrote a, well it, was, it wasn't a song I wrote, but I sang a prophecy. In the multitude of your words, where am I, where am I? In the multitude of your words, in the multitude of your voices, in the multitude of your songs, in the multitude. Where am I, says the Lord. The final thing I want to say, and you know this, on Sunday morning, give a great welcome to the worship leader. It's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Be as excited about the Holy Spirit being there as you are with a special guest. Yeah. In fact, be more. Excited. Because you know what? 
If the Holy Spirit did withdraw himself from us, we'd still sing some of this. And probably you wouldn't know the difference. Somebody once said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church, how many things would we carry on doing? It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And if it's not Holy Spirit, it isn't worship. Because I tell you something that the Holy Spirit always does. If Jesus always presents us to the Father, the Holy Spirit always makes Jesus real. Somebody asked me a question. Why do so many of your songs, why are they about Jesus? Duh. Because heaven, it's all about him. And can I say, if it's not Holy Spirit, it's not worship. And if it's not worship, it's idolatry. How many of you know we can worship worship? We can worship our leadership. We can worship our reputation. But be like Jesus, who humbled himself. He thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, but he humbled himself. He took upon himself the form of a servant. became obedient even unto death even death upon the cross and for this reason God has highly exalted him do you know what brothers and sisters I'd rather have the highly exalting of God than the highly exalting of man but so often we chase we chase the unfulfillable because you'll never be fulfilled by man's opinion. It matters to me what heaven thinks of me. And as we present to you OSL, OSL today is not about personalities. It is so not about that. It's about the ability to honour that which is of the King Jesus. We love the church. We love the church. We love the church that Jesus is the head of. We love those who own the name of Christ when they come from traditions like ours or traditions different from ours. We love the church. Jesus, he said he loved the church and he laid his life down for the church. I want, as long as God gives me breath, to lay my life down for the same things. Not just for a ministry, not just for a reputation, not just for the next album or the next whatever, but that his kingdom will come. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I thank God for OSL because it's articulating things that I've loved all my life.
could tell you stories about times working in Catholic communities around the world and seeing the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. Thank you for bringing the dove. I wanted that today. Because, brothers and sisters, has the dove descended? Or is it more like a pigeon? You see, doves are very different, although they look the same. And I love the story when Jesus was baptized, and this I'll close. Because he had humbled himself and become obedient, symbolizing death, heaven says, that's my boy. So pleased with it. And like a dove, descended on his shoulder. And Tim, I prophesied over you years ago. And I just want to say to you today, my friend, that you are at a point in time in your life for a new descending of the dove because there are decisions and there are choices there are options or opportunities but God is saying when the dove descends you'll know when the dove descends you'll know you're not going to have to work it out with your own understanding but as you acknowledge his presence upon your life the very presence of the dove will affirm the choice. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule and reign in you. Another translation says, let it be the referee. The whistle will blow when you're offside. Don't worry, you'll know. The whistle will blow. But today I speak over you, a descending of the dove, because there is a moving on into something that God has actually already prepared for you. He has prepared a good place for a good man. And the word of the Lord says, he will not only come and descend, but you will know the resting of that Holy Spirit upon your life. Amen. Receive that. And Father, I speak this word over to him. And so, Father, will you by your spirit lead him into whatever it is you're preparing for him? I'm not speaking out of knowledge. I'm speaking by the spirit. In church... For my church and for your churches, I pray the descending of the dove again. But not only the descending, but the resting. It says, and the dove descended and the dove rested. And I so love this. And the dove remained. Father, in my generation, let there be a time when your move comes, not just as a visit, not just a visitation, but let there be a habitation of God. We say, Lord, make this your dwelling place. May God bless you. Thank you, Chris. Just let's...
finish with a, a prayer of St. Thursday. I'm going to read it out to us, 7th century prayer. And in your heart, pray this prayer for yourself. Okay, let's close our eyes for a moment. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Lord, would you just come and be with us as we say this prayer? The arms of God be around my shoulders. The touch of the Holy Spirit upon my head. The sign of Christ's cross upon my forehead. The sound of the Holy Spirit in my ears. The fragrance of the Holy Spirit in my nostrils. The vision of heaven's company in my eyes. The conversation of heaven's company on my lips. The work of God's church with my hands. The service of God and my neighbor in my feet. And a home for God in my heart. And we welcome you, Lord, to be with us during this time. We honor you. We love you. We really do love you. We thank you for what Chris said. I think he knows you very well. And I want to be a man that knows you very well. Show me how. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ten minutes comfort break and we'll see you back here at quarter past.